Uh, I looked at it. I didn't. I really didn't think it was that bad. I mean, for Texas and Oklahoma, of course, there's no love lost right now between Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma. But when you look at it, man, I thought both actually made out okay. Hello and welcome in. It's always college football. It's a Friday edition. And surprisingly, we've had kind of a chaotic week as it relates to college football. It's not normal that here we are just a few days into February, and yet we continue to have earth-shattering news. Now, naturally, we have the signing day period, and we had that, of course, just a couple days ago. Some big fish that were landed at some, I guess, somewhat surprising destinations, even though South Carolina landing a big-time defensive end is something we have seen. Granted, it was Jadavion Clowney, and that was 10 years ago, so things have changed a little bit. Now they're going outside their footprint, and they land a big fish. Jalen Rash- Rashada has decided where he is going to end up. He made that decision known just a couple days ago, going to be heading to Arizona State. We'll talk about that move and the ramifications of that move in the Pac-12 here going forward. But one of my favorite things... You guys know this, or at least those that have followed me and my path here in college football media world. I love schedule releases. It's like one of my favorite things. It's it's not really even a guilty pleasure. Like I just totally love it. Why? Because we can speculate and we can start to look at matchups a little bit. We can say that team got shafted and this team, hey, they got lucky. Look at their draw. So I think the overreaction that happens when we get a schedule release is something that I always really look forward to. So good news for you guys. We have Big 12 schedule release. This one is even probably a little bit more interesting than it would be in a normal year. Why? Because the Big 12 has two programs that are leaving sooner than later and then four programs that are coming in. And the overlap exists at least for the 2023 season, tell you who I thought might have gotten the benefit of the doubt and one team in particular that I thought was done no favors whatsoever. So we'll get to that. Talk a little Cincy. Talk a little Houston. Talk a little Texas. Talk a little Oklahoma. Talk about TCU and where do they fall as it relates to coming off of a national championship berth. Did the Big 12 make it more difficult on them to potentially repeat? I'll tell you why or why not here in just a moment. So let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about it. All right, Big 12 schedule release. A holiday of sorts, especially if you're like me and you grew up a diehard fan of the Big 12. I think it's probably understandable that I was really interested to see how this whole thing was going to go. Like When they released the schedule, I couldn't open the link quick enough. Why? Because I thought they were going to absolutely destroy both Texas and Oklahoma. Like I, I thought Texas and Oklahoma were going to have to play like six consecutive road games. One's at BYU. The next is at West Virginia. The next is in Lubbock. The next is in Florida. Like I thought they were going to just totally brutalize Texas and Oklahoma, knowing that their final year in the league could be in 2023. So I was just really looking forward to Is that low-hanging fruit? Yes. Does that make me uh, a little bit of a wrestling heel, perhaps, but I I thought it was going to be somewhat comical. However, uh, I looked at it. I didn't. I really didn't think it was that bad. I mean, for Texas and Oklahoma, of course, there's no love lost right now between Big Twelve and Texas and Oklahoma. But when you look at it, man, I thought both actually made out okay. And in particular, what I liked about let's start with Texas. 
I really liked the fact that the Big 12 emphasized keeping them in the state. For instance, they play four in-state Big 12 opponents. They got Baylor, they got TCU, they got Houston and Texas Tech. That's significant, right? I mean, especially for Houston and for Texas Tech, you didn't want in their last year, potentially in the league, to not have an opportunity to play against the Texas Longhorns. So I was really glad to see Houston get that opportunity and then Texas Tech as well. I also am glad, too, that they're going to play Baylor again. Now, people will say, well, why, why does that matter? Because they've played basically every year since, what, like 1920-something. They missed two during World War II, but they've played each other forever, every single year. So I was really glad to see that natural rivalry preserved. Thought that was very important, especially as Texas might be moving on. So I was really happy with how they scheduled and oriented Texas. Of course, they also have Rice. So Texas is going to be very comfortable there in the Lone Star State and or around the Lone Star State in 2023. Moving on to Oklahoma, another team that's moving on. We've talked about Oklahoma in desperate need of a bounce back year in 2023. I happen to think when you look at it, though, I mean, it's definitely possible that they could have a bit of an improvement, but you look at the schedule, man. I thought they got dealt the more difficult hand when comparing them and the Longhorns, partly because all four of their road opponents, if you count the neutral site game against Texas too, they all competed in bowl games last year. And you think about it, man, that November 16th road trip to BYU is no picnic. You got Stillwater a couple weeks later than that, or a couple weeks before that as well. So it's a little bit tricky. You know, I mean, you see that battle at Bedlam, like that was one of the first games I tried to find. Why? Because it might be the last one. I don't know how many more we're going to have. So when I saw that game on November 4th, and then knowing what they have a couple weeks later, I was like, man, Oklahoma, they have a bit of a gauntlet there, especially in November. But man, I did not think that Oklahoma got any benefits whatsoever when looking at the upcoming schedule. A team that also got absolutely no benefits, the TCU Horn Frogs. Hey, congratulations TCU. You're the runner-up in the national championship. You're there, you're representing. You win the Big 12's first playoff game since the playoffs inception. Hey, congratulations. That ain't happening again. Because if you look at TCU's schedule, man, they gave them no favors whatsoever. First of all, they start the season with Colorado. I'm not saying Colorado is going to be better than TCU. I'm not. I think Colorado, based on what they were last year to what they are this year, they might very well be the most improved team in college football. I think a bowl game is within reach, and knowing how many games they won, you win five or more games than they did the previous season. I'd say that's pretty dang good from an improvement standpoint. So you get Colorado in the non-conference. You have to go to Houston there in week number three for the conference opener. You know Houston's going to be all fired up for that opportunity. First Big 12 game playing against TCU, team that almost won, well, not necessarily almost, but got to the national championship. Now this is Houston's opportunity to flex and say, hey, we've been capable of power five potential forever. We've just never been given the chance. So a huge spot for them. But you also get SMU. 
there in week number four following the Houston game, which will be tricky. So we know the first month of the season for TCU is no picnic. Their bye week is a little bit more manageable there in late November. And then the final stretch, oh, nobody has a more difficult final stretch than TCU. You got Texas Tech on a Thursday night. You host Texas and Baylor, and then you go to Oklahoma on Black Friday. Let me make sure you heard that right. Preseason top 25 Texas Tech. Preseason top 25 Texas. Probably a preseason fringe top 25 in Baylor. And then potentially a preseason top 25 Oklahoma on Black Friday. How's that for a four-game comment? Hey, congratulations again, TCU, on a great 2022 Good luck repeating because we're going to make it as difficult as humanly possible on you specifically. Moving to a couple of newcomers. was very interested to see how it all kind of worked out. BYU, I think, is very well equipped to be able to step right in to the Big 12. They've played gauntlets of schedules before. Being an independent, they've gone back-to-back at Tennessee, and then USC comes to their place. They've played against four or five Pac-12 opponents in a given season. Now, I think the Big 12, collectively, pretty good brand of football. But I think BYU is extremely well-equipped to be able to handle it week in and week out, especially if they can replace a couple key pieces off last year's roster. But you look at Houston and you look at Cincinnati. We'll spend time on UCF at some point. I didn't really have anything. Looking at their schedule, I didn't really have any major takeaways. It's not that I didn't think that they were a pothole or two. It's not that I didn't think, hey, well, maybe they're going to be in the mix. I think they'll be about a seven or eight win football team, perhaps, maybe even slightly less than that. But there wasn't anything glaring. But when I looked at both Cincinnati and at Houston, man, I thought they set things up very nicely for the Bearcats. I mean, Cincinnati is in a pretty good spot when you look at what they have in their first year in the Power Five. Now, they get three newcomers. They are not scheduled to play TCU. They're not scheduled to play Kansas State. They're not scheduled to play Texas or Texas Tech. Like I talked about, man, all four of those teams are likely to be in the preseason top 25. Those four teams last year combined to win 39 games. To have all those teams off the schedule is very significant, obviously, when you look at what Cincinnati has. They also play all three of the newcomers to the league. Now, look, I have a ton of respect for BYU, a ton of respect for Houston, and a ton of respect for UCF, but they haven't been in the Power Five before. So when you open up your schedule by playing three teams that have never really run this type of gauntlet in the past, it's a pretty good situation for Cincinnati and for first-year head coach, Coach Satterfield, I think he's going to do a good job there. I do. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm even more optimistic upon seeing their schedule release. I think they have a chance to make a little noise. I'm not saying they win it. I'm not saying they win the Big 12, but I think they have a chance to make a little noise there, especially in the eight, maybe, maybe even nine win mark, given how they've been built in years past. And then on the other side, as far as the newcomers are concerned, I thought Houston had a very difficult draw. Now you're going to say, well, why? They don't even hardly leave the state of Texas. I mean, they play their first seven games in the state of Texas and travel just twice outside the state. They go to Kansas State on October 28th, but I happen to think that's one of the most difficult road trips you can have in the Big 12. And then they go to UCF. That'll be on November 25th. So October 28th, road trip to Manhattan, Kansas. And then obviously late in November, a road trip to the bounce house 
against UCF, but against a program that they're obviously very familiar with, given they've been competing for American Athletic Conference championships for the last handful of years. I thought they ended up with a very difficult draw in the Big 12. But you don't have BYU, you don't have Oklahoma, you don't have Kansas, and you don't have Iowa State. But still, I thought Houston, as far as all the newcomers are concerned, got dealt a somewhat difficult hand. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, moving forward now, getting into your mailbag questions a little bit. Look, if you're a Big 12 fan and we didn't get to your team's full schedule, I promise you we're going to get there. So believe me, I hear you West Virginia fans. Believe me, I hear you UCF fans. We're going to get there, okay? But those were the notable takeaways. Those were the notable takeaways upon initial evaluation. So don't worry, we got tons of time to be able to break down what your team might do between now and when things get kicked off in late August, early September. So we're going to turn our attention now to the mailbag. And if you want to have conversations about your team, hit us up in the mailbag, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. And you can hit us up in our social media, alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. So if you have a question, you can distribute it there as well. We'll get into the show. We're going to do more and more mailbag questions as we move forward in the offseason. So we'll stop wasting your time. Coobs, what do we got in the bag today? All right. First one comes from John in Boulder. Is there any serious consideration by the numbered conferences, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, to changing the conference name to get away from the number of teams, which seems to be in flux. <laughs> it, it would be very odd, right? I mean, when you, the, but the, it's never really bothered me. When I think about the Big Ten, it's had 11 members for a really long time, right? I mean, like when you think about the Pac-10 back in its inception and it expanded to the Big to the Pac-12, it made sense. I mean, hey, these are the Pacific athletic conference 12 teams like that's that makes sense the big 12 when it had 12 members it made tons of sense when they were the big eight like i for one now i'm so comfortable with the brand i don't really care about the number like it's the pack it's the big 12 the the big 12 i know who the big 12 is and for the record when texas and oklahoma leave if they stay put where they're at they're going to have 12-member institutions. So they're going to be back to the correct number. It's the Pac-12 right now, 
with where they currently sit that's completely skewed. And then the Big Ten, naturally, they're going to be expanding to 16 teams. So they're going to be completely skewed as well. But like I said, the Big Ten has always had the wrong number next to their name. Well, at least in my memory as a college football fan, I know Penn State when they joined the league or whatnot. Like I don't remember what year that was, nor do I particularly care. The Big Ten is the Big Ten. It's just they're those leagues and those schools are synonymous with Big Ten, whether the number's correct or not. It'd be interesting to see if the Pac-12 adjusts. I think that going back to the Pac-10 would feel strange. But then again, they were named that for a very long time. I wouldn't push back if that's the direction they wanted to go. All right. Next one comes from John in Nashville. With no divisional play in the ACC this year, do you think they scheduled Clemson and Florida State in September, hoping to see a rematch in December? And will this set the tone for conference schedules in the future? You know, I always I always feel like, especially whether it be the Big 12 is probably the best example, the Pac-12 this year, I guess, to a certain extent. I've always tried to kind of figure out, all right, what's the thought process here? Like, I, Because the, the world's worst situation that you can have is to have, for instance, let's use the Big Ten as an example. And don't, don't freak out when, when I say this because Big Ten fans are already like a little bit sensitive, like we're taking a shot at them. I'm, I'm not. But I think the, the worst possible scenario for the Big Ten would be for Ohio State and Michigan to play in consecutive weeks. Like that, that to me would be very, very disappointing. So whatever they need to do to adjust the schedule, if those are the two best teams, and I know they always play on rivalry weekend, and that needs to be protected, in my opinion, because rivalry weekend is sacred in our world, and they should not do anything to adjust. But I can understand if they wanted to move it earlier in November, because in all likelihood, those are going to be the two best teams in the Big Ten, and you want to avoid them playing in consecutive weeks, I would understand it. I would. I, I totally get that. But I, I looked at the ACC schedule. I understand the thought process, why you're thinking, yeah, well, Florida State and Clemson, they're going to try to make sure that that game happens, and they don't want to back it up. Like, I actually didn't feel like there was any ulterior motive because if you look at where Clemson is, for instance, right now, and Clemson, of course, won the ACC. They have dominated the ACC for quite a while now, but I don't think they go into this season with a ton of, without question, they're the best team in the ACC. And Florida State, while I'm super optimistic about what they've been and how far they've come, and how much progress they showed this past year, assuming they're now all of a sudden going to be at worst the second best team in the ACC, is a little bit difficult for me to forecast. The ACC, if anything, has been insanely unpredictable and has been for at least outside of who's going to win the championship. Who's playing in the championship is the part that has been ridiculously unpredictable. Now, that might change a little bit as they abandon divisions, and I think it will strengthen their championship game. Why? Because the Atlantic against the Coastal were not comparable. That They weren't even close. I mean, I feel like every single team in the Coastal at some point won that division, and Clemson and Florida State, for the most part, have won the Atlantic just about every year. And I know you're going to say, well, what about 21? I understand that it was different in 21, but that's the anomaly. So 
I look at it, I'm going to be very interested in, in kind of seeing how both those teams fare. But no, I don't think that there was some ulterior motive when it came to the ACC scheduling model to say, hey, if we can get these two teams to play here, maybe we can get it again a couple weeks later. Uh, I didn't have that takeaway, not at this point at least. All right, and last one, Steve in New Mexico. With NIL... Transfer portal all being crazy, complicated, and unbalanced. Might we see something like a draft in the future for the top recruits and maybe the top schools? Yeah, I mean, I, I've obviously people have pitched this idea in the past where your rights would be declared in a draft situation as compared to being able to choose where you want to go to school. I don't see this happening ever. Now, if you want to all of a sudden now lay out a salary cap, if you want to all of a sudden now structure the college football world like you've structured the NFL world, then sure, maybe it's down the road 50, 60, 70 years from now. I could see it being a legitimate possibility. But what's been the biggest change in recent years that we've noticed as it relates to college football? It's not necessarily NIL. It's not necessarily transfer portal. It's player rights. And that's been probably the biggest change that we've seen. Players being able to exercise their right to choose. Players being able to exercise their right to earn money based on their name, image, and likeness. Players being able to move freely upon graduating. I think that's been the big thing that changes. So now, in a world in which player empowerment has never been more important, you really think they're going to take away the player's ability to choose where they want to go to school? No chance. Like I said, we fast forward 20, 30, 40 years from now, and you have essentially a semi-pro league where guys are earning salary, guys are earning 401k, guys are doing all these other things, and they're employees, assuming that's where we get. There's collective bargaining. There might be union. There might be something like that down the road. I'm not willing to say there's no chance of that, but I think that the likelihood of us seeing a, quote, draft seems extremely far-fetched, especially seeing the momentum that player rights has generated in recent years. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, final thought, the long saga that has been Jaden Rashada's recruitment has finally come to an end just a couple days ago on signing day, announcing that he is going to attend Arizona State. Now, look, we haven't talked a ton 
about the Jaden Rashada situation. There have been plenty of shows that have opined at length about the problems surrounding Jaden Rashada's recruitment, about how bad it was for Florida to make a promise and for how bad it was for Jaden Rashada to expect. It's like the way I viewed it from the very beginning is one, the numbers that I heard, quote, 13 million were completely asinine. They weren't even they weren't even remotely close. Supposedly that if he won four Heisman trophies and four national championships in consecutive years, the number might get close to 13 million, but it was incentive based in some ways. So that's the way it was explained to me. How accurate is that? I don't know. I don't particularly care. Here's what I'm interested in right now, though, is after all of this went down and the Gator Collective and Jaden Rashada's family not being happy with how things were going to turn out and the possibility of there being some type of lawsuit and breach of contract, like, where are we getting in college football when it gets to the point in which lawyers are the ones that are determining whether or not money's actually going to happen? Like, I've, I mean, is I mean, it's just it's mind blowing to me. I don't really like talking about it because I think it turns off a lot of people. I mean, look, you might love it. I it doesn't it doesn't really bother me because when toe meets leather, like we're still playing and the game's very similar. Like guys still compete every Saturday. I love the game itself. All the nil related discussion is not really my thing, so I don't really dive headfirst into it. But I think that at some point, man, if we're looking at a situation where guys are making 13, 14, 15 million dollars, first of all, it's not happening. Like I know for a fact that the highest paid quarterback in the portal is going to make about a million dollars. And that's an established, that's an established starter, a guy that's played. I've heard the average going rate for a power five starter is about $250,000 for the season. So where we're getting these $8 million, $10 million, $13 million numbers, I'm not sure they're what you think they are. Now, plenty of guys are doing very well, but those guys are still kind of in the minority as it relates to what they can actually earn from a recruiting standpoint. So that's one thing to say. As far as Jaden Rashada's play on the field, I hope he's really good. I mean, I think he's going to a really quarterback-friendly offense, but because of how this will all this all kind of unfolded, you hear that 13 million, and if he ever plays like a three-star or a two-star, people are going to completely overreact, and all they're going to talk about is what his, quote, NIL value was or what it could have been or what people thought it was or whatever. I think people are going to definitely overreact to his ability. Regardless, if he throws an interception, people are going to bring up that $13 million number. So I'm hoping that this can kind of put that whole scenario to bed, man. I'm over the conversation. The guy hasn't even played a snap and people are saying he's a bust. Why? Because he commanded 13 million. I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels absurd. So I'm really anxious to see what he's going to do. And I'm also interested, Arizona State now has become a little bit more fascinating as far as their quarterback derby is concerned. Now you look at the roster, they got holes. They got major holes. Kenny Dillingham, I think is going to provide some energy and knows how to get it done. And I think Jaden Rashada's recruitment is fairly significant 
and establishing, hey, man, this is where you can go. You can be a big-time player and go to school at Arizona State. We've seen it happen before, and we've seen plenty of guys choose it before, but not under this regime. So that'll be very, very interesting uh, as well. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this quarterback derby. You got Drew Pine, established guy that has played already at Notre Dame for a number of different starts, had some moments this year, but also had some disappointing moments as well, limited from a physical skill set standpoint, but still a guy with experience that's smart, that will know how to operate the offense going against a hotshot freshman. That'll be a fascinating quarterback derby, and the winner will likely get the keys to what is a fairly high-powered car based on the points scored that Kenny Dillingham's had in the past. So going to be interesting to watch that quarterback derby. It went from being an afterthought to now Jaden Rashada's recruitment to being something that we'll probably be discussing quite a bit here over the next four or five months. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. We appreciate you guys being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. Also hit us up. I told you earlier about the mailbag, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. On our social media platforms, always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. So we appreciate you guys very, very much. And we look forward to being back again next week with a whole laundry list of topics that we still need to get to and plenty more of your questions in the mailbag. For Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.